0: I'm Dermot Hussey. Welcome to Riffin Radio, the podcast. It's a collection of interviews with artists from various genres spanning three decades and giving more context to the music we love. 1959 in Jamaica was the beginning of two subsequent legends. Island Records, and its founder, Chris Blackwell. In the early 60s, both label and founder moved to London, where, as they say, the rest is history. Chris signed to Island Records the defining acts of British rock and reggae superstar Bob Marley. I spoke to Chris Blackwell post-Marley and at a time when the label was rethinking its approach to reggae.
1: Chris a recent press report suggested that Island Records had lost interest in reggae after being the premier reggae company in terms of international promotion. Is that really true?
2: Um, no, it's not, it's not true. It's, it's, what, what is true is that, is that there's not the same amount of, um, of recording and new talent Emerging from Jamaica as there was a few years ago, and also it's true that um, you know since reggae has become so integrated into into international music today, that um, the the conduits that used to exist for reggae to get internationally exposed are are much more uh, are on a much smaller scale now because. no longer a, a, an a avenue which is open just to the, just to the uh, artists from Jamaica who used to have the whole reggae business essentially to um, themselves. To it's now becoming an internationally accepted music and um, people from all over the world are now for, uh, performing songs with this uh, rhythm, thereby making it much more competitive.
1: Well, what is your position from being the company that was really responsible for breaking the music internationally? Are you now more selective, or are you seeing a different music? Is reggae really a commercially viable proposition at this time?
2: Well, I think it, I think it, it's being more selective, really. It's, it's, it's uh, finding or hoping to find an act that can basically sell internationally. You're generally being more selective uh, in all the music we work with where, wherever it might come from because it's now recently become much more expensive to, to record, market and promote uh, an artist uh, because of the all the new costs that have come into the business, particularly videos and uh, it's made it very expensive now to launch a new artist so you really have to be careful who you're going to work with and you have to really aim to pick pick an act who you feel has the potential to go really a long way. Somebody who has the potential just for one hit single or something like that is is not really worth um, spending all uh, the time and and effort to get that one hit single a hit because um, it's very unlikely that it can recoup the cost required to, to launch it.
1: Based on your knowledge of the Jamaican scene, how many new talents do you see that are at this possible level?
2: Well, we're not talking about the people who have a name. For example, Bernie Spear or Third World or Cook or Gregory. All these people are internationally known. You know, that's what that whole first. Reggie uh, Trust did was was put all these people as sort of well-known names in the international music world, and I think that there will always be tours to present those acts, and should any of them come up with a hit record, that hit record could, you know, widen their whole potential uh, an enormous amount. In other words, those names are known. All, all any of them need to do is come up with a, with a, with a great record and they, they would have immediate acceptance. Talking now in terms of new artists and new talent coming up, I haven't really as yet seen or heard anybody that i that I felt can really um, have the potential to go all the way. Um, and... Uh, that's why there really hasn't been anybody recently that we have signed from the neck. We're very much still working on, uh, Einicka who, who, Brian Robbie, who we've been working with for a couple of years, and I'm, I'm, very enthusiastic about him. Um, we also picked up one, one song from an act called Dead Love Self Limited, which, again, I think, could have potential. It's hard to say immediately, but I think, could have potential, they seem to be uh, a good team these two guys, one, one is a very good uh, musician and the other one seems to be a good lyricist and they, and they seem that they could have the potential to, uh, to do it depends a lot on how strong their material is and how much they're able to um, sustain the quality of it.
1: What about the nature of the music itself? Is hardcore reggae going to be able to get across to that kind of market which is more competitive, more demanding, or do we have to see a change in not only the lyrical content, but the, the kind of music that we present?
2: No, I think the, I think the hard hardcore reggae has a better soundstage. Even though it may appear to be more um, different in sound, the kind of record you hear is hit, at least it is something that is definitely maintained um, well, it's, it's something that definitely maintains its originality and its specific style and and its specific the mechanism, and it mm-hmm. um, which is hard to to achieve by uh, by any other sort of musician. Um, I think it's really really the lyric. I think I think if the lyrics can be and have more international appeal, I think that's the one singular thing that. All these other acts who got into reggae rhythms um, had, and that's why they succeeded so much, is that their lyrics could relate to any and everybody. They weren't so narrow in their perspective.
1: Why is it that so many of the major companies outside of CBS, uh, Electra, EMI have stayed away from reggae? They don't think to be as enthused or as interested as say, the independent companies like yourself and the ones that are based in, in North America, the TINAC is the heartbeat, the Rast Records.
2: Well, it's extremely difficult, really, to work with a uh, regular music as compared to working with a, um, with a, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not... It's much more difficult to work with a reggae band who live in Jamaica than it is to work with a, 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 you know, band of musicians who live in New York or whatever city any of these companies are based. It's much, much, much more complicated. You know, you have to, just the logistics of trying to get somebody together to do a television show if something should uh, emerge at a very short notice or a radio interview or a concert session. All the kinds of things that you'd like to be able to Pick up the phone and say, listen, we should do this today or tomorrow because suddenly a gap might take place in the TV show and they ring up and say, do you have anybody who can fill this gap? It's just an awful lot easier. Plus, of course, you know, just communication in terms of telephone and telex and airfares or, you know, if, if, if you want to show your band off, you know, and, and get press and get people to come and see it. You have to provide all the affairs and get visas, and cetera, cetera, to get somebody from, you know, a from Jamaica into America. Or alternatively, you have to fly everybody down here. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, if you look at it on a straightforward business basis, it doesn't make straightforward business sense. You know what I mean? The people who've got into the music have gotten into it because they like it. You know, the independence are uh, in that business because they really like the music, they love the music. Uh, in the case of um, EMI, they, there was one person working at EMI who liked reggae music. He's now no longer at EMI, he's gone off to another company. In that other company, he won't really let him sign reggae music, because so he's on more stringent controls there. PBS signed Jimmy Cliff, he's really uh, international... Really. Somebody who's been around with us for a long, long time and proved himself over and over again, and so his contract was available, and they signed him, and I think they are they're working out pretty well. Um, well was third world. It. Third world. I haven't really followed what's happened to third world because I just think that, that, that somehow you somehow they are not quite in the same idiom as what's called you know Reggie. I don't know, it's hard to them. They seem to sort of stand on their own.
1: In fact, I, I get the thing that CBS is sort of anxious to take off a reggae label of a third world and perhaps categorize them in an R, R&B situation. Like, you know who America is with these categories.
2: Well, the thing is that, is that you sell music in America by getting it played on the radio. And you can sell a certain amount of music in America by word of mouth or by a following. Uh, with, uh, without any radio. But that can take you up to maybe 100,000 records. To get above 100,000 records, you really need radio play. You need to be in the regular system that exists for marketing and promoting records, which is radio and press and television and videos and stuff like that. And once you're in that system, uh, unless you're selling, uh, you know, quarter of a million records or over for a major company, they 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 will drop you because they lose money on, on, on an act unless they're selling more than that. And I feel that with Third World they feel they have the potential to really have big R and D records, American filming type records. Because they're the big hits they had, you know, eight or nine years ago had a had a feel of regular, but really it was a punk record. Well where
1: do we go from here in terms of obviously the music is at a new level. For instance, in the beginning, when you had many artists signed to, to Island Records, you were still interested in the career development of an artist. Yet, I believe because of having so many reggae acts signed to Ireland, a great many people got neglected. Bob Marley was obviously the focus. He was a, He was a real hot property at the time. Do you think that was in in a sense, a weakness on your part, or is it a question that of the time?
2: Well, I think that <coughs> it was a time where everybody was getting their opportunities to make the record. There was a huge interest in reggae, and um, you know, uh, it, there's not an enormous population here, you know, and also a music as itself, you know, particularly, it's, 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 I mean, what the public really likes, they really like Bob Marley's music. You know, they really like his music. They like his words, they like his voice, they like the way he praised his songs, the way he wrote the songs. They like when he would tour. He and the Wailers, they like the, the band. Uh, he was uh, somebody who didn't cancel tours, was prompt, and, you know, he was very professional. People could rely on his words. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, the, the industry as a body kind of get behind an artist at a certain time. It's even sort of out of your hands. You can push and you can, you can get a foot in the door or you can even get to the center stage. But at that point in time, it's really up to you, you know. And I think that we got a lot of people with a foot in the door and some of them even center stage. And it was a matter of whether they were able to grab that opportunity and make the best of it or whether it's possible.
1: There's really no truth then that you signed so many acts because you didn't want to have any competition. It would not really matter.
2: No, I would love. see, I was always very keen to have other people sign reggae acts because if if the Warner Brothers, CBS's, uh, RCAs, all these other major companies signed reggae acts, it would mean that I would have all these other companies also promoting reggae and also promoting music and making it more easy, in a way, to get across what one was trying to get across. Uh, when it's just one little independent on its own, as we were, fighting everybody. You have everybody kind of against you, and everybody putting the music down. I was very keen for um, different companies to sign that. I've never really thought with any company other than signing any act of act. I always saw it as an advantage. Um,
1: definitely. What was Bob like to work with?
2: He was great to work with. He was, um, he was a man of his word, and he was, um, very professional. He was very hardworking, um, and, um, you know, he was just very extraordinary talent.
1: Did you ha- have you had the same kind of rapport with any of the other artists? that have been signed to
2: Ireland previously? Well, not the same kind of rapport, no, because that, it was a very a special sort of um, working relationship that, that, uh, that, that we had. Um, and it was very successful and very exciting you know, the whole time because it was something that was becoming so huge. And it was just growing every, every year. Um, and that's always really exciting. But I've certainly worked very closely with a lot of other acts that I've over the years.
1: You recently diversified into into film. Does this mean that you're going to be putting more emphasis in that area? or are you intend to still keep, you know, both things going, on, music and film?
2: Well, I think they're becoming very much one one industry. I think that people are, start, are getting used to seeing their music sold to them uh, on videos, in other words, on on, the visually, and I think that um, also in films, the music element in films is becoming more important, and um, I just felt that we should be in the film business for two reasons. A, it it, 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 um, gives us better insight into the best video makers in order to make studios to market and promote our artists, and also it gives us the access for getting songs and material and for our artists and feature films, thereby getting an exposure and, uh, and a break that otherwise could take years.
1: Some people, I love with you, Chris, that the many problems that affect the Jamaican recording industry stem from the fact that we do not have a up-to-date copyright law Do you see this to be really the cause of all the problems?
2: Um, I don't know how it works here. In our situation, all the acts that we would sign from here, when we sign them for recording, we would sign them for publishing, or if their publishing was already signed to somebody else, it was already signed to somebody else, but they always receive their publishing royalties. I think if in any country, in America, if somebody somebody doesn't write the song, and they take the song and they 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 give up the rights to it to somebody uh, without sort of proper documentation. Certainly, they they risk losing the rights to that song, um, and so they should be you know really sign over any rights sort to of the publishing rights to the song until they've um, got proper contracts and been advised properly on it. But I don't think that's I don't think that's anything to do with the copyright law here. I don't think so. I think I think. I think somebody who writes a song here, they publish it with a, you know, an existing company in America or England or anywhere else. Absolutely protected. Yeah, absolutely protected.
1: What about the other areas of artist management, artist attitude? Are these still problems for our industry in international terms? I think
2: there's two problems because, because the the best example in our case was Blackahuna who were a group who were poised to become a big group but somehow the the um, conflict within within them was bigger than their opportunity to really become a really big act and so they're splintered and then they, they will both go on and they'll probably do alright if they are but they had the opportunity really of being a very big group they were they they become almost you know, sort of household name.
1: In fact, you did a great deal of work in terms of bringing them to that position and grooming them. How hurt were you by that move, in fact?
2: Well, uh, it was, it was uh, you know it really put me off every, everything for a little bit. It's true, I was off everything for a little bit because it was just so discouraging, you know. And and this happened, you know, uh, a few years after the death of Bob. In fact, Bob's death was a year after Jacob Miller, who was somebody else who I was really fond of, and. Had very high hopes for, so I think those two things all coming one after the other was very discouraging. Particularly, in a way, the last one, the first two were acts of fate or whatever, but the last one was just stupidity in my opinion.
1: At present, the only acts that you have signed are Fly and Robbie, which are really like a producing duo, and and Ikamoja. <coughs>
2: dead yeah. dog. And, and dead dog, yeah.
1: Mm.
2: That's all we have at the moment. That's the least we've ever had. That's all we have at the moment. And I think uh you know, Sly and Robbie are great to work with. Sla and Ravi are also people of their word. They work really hard. They're always interested in, uh, in breaking new ground and trying new things and experimenting further, taking music further. They are, um, they are really fantastic.
1: The fact that is now international so Grammy award under the belt is in a very difficult position competitively because the large recording contracts are not there, the promotional distributive machine results are not there for most of the talents, And yet other musics are coming up. African pop is, is making a headway. The Brazilians are beginning to come back after that first decade of Brazilian talent. Mm-hmm. Can you really compete?
2: Um, anybody from anywhere can always compete. If they have an idea, if they have... If they have an idea, you know what I mean? You have an idea of what you want to do, of the kind of song you want to sing, how you want to present it. Uh, anybody from anywhere can can come up. That's the exciting thing about the music. System. You know, the more left field. The, you know, the best in a way. I think the, the biggest danger is to try, is to kind of sit down and say, okay, now what kind of stuff should I be recording, or what should I be writing, what's selling, and this guy did well writing this kind of song, so maybe I should write a song like that. I think you take that approach, you have little or no hope from here. You can, you can maybe do, take that kind of approach if you're in New York. Because if you're in New York and you can try and make a record that sounds something that's on the radio, they you are know, there and you can maybe market and sell it to uh, to to you know, to the to the machine that exists there. So that machine that would accept the record like that wouldn't wouldn't want it coming to Jamaica it's too complicated. So if you're coming from Jamaica you have to come with something which is different, something which is individual. And you have to remember you see is that, that Jamaica was the the inspiration for almost all the music black music we're hearing today. All the rap music came out of Jamaica. All the dub music came out of Jamaica. All these special mixes and versions and everything all came mm-hmm. out of Jamaica. Ma- American black music or you know, street music is all completely uh, influenced by what came from here. And um, I guess it's just, it's just probably a, a time after all that creative energy has gone out and, and, and need just a bit of time for something else to kind of start and emerge again, and need a, a kind of force, you know, kind of drive of three or four people more working together with the same kind of ideal, you know, just that kind of thing.
1: What about the established talents like the people, Tasha's, the Bonnie Wheeler, Cook, Hebert, do you think they have the potential to, I mean, Tasha's been there already, he, I mean, he's given an indication that he. World class, but the consistency. Do you think that these talents really have that consistency, that drive to maintain and really break big internationally?
2: Well, they're ne- they names that are really well known, and um, I guess when 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 that is a situation, it's like a comeback, it's like it's like an artist who who everybody knows and heard of for a bit, then had a hit for a they come up with a hit and suddenly everybody remembers you again and they are glad to welcome you back. I would say that's the case for all those you mentioned. They come up with a, with a hit and then, you know, just take that hit and put together a great band and go off and tour, sure, So sure they could come right back. Thanks
0: for listening to Riffin Radio with Domit Hussey. Be sure to like us and subscribe. We put out a podcast a week. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at R-I-F-F-I-N Radio, Facebook, Dermot Hussey, and check out our YouTube channel, Riffin Radio.